We're going to continue looking at um, a passage of Scripture in Philippians. So if you open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. So we're looking at a passage of Scripture that I've called Plan to Win. It was up there, it is. Um, Plan to Win. Um, You know, last week we talked about some just some wonderful things that I believe Paul put in Philippians. He lays out, you know, the, the, the doctrine of justification, not really in, in extinct, but he talks about it in this, in this past tense moment, right? A righteousness that is from God, right? Not his own, it's from God and it's by faith. And he talks about sanctification, that I want to become like Jesus, right? Like him in his death. He's speaking of obedience in our sanctification. Then he looks forward to the resurrection, he says, I want to, I, there's this glorification, there's this element that I'm going to continue to press on, I'm going to continue to go forward, because there's a, there's a time in the resurrection that I will be with him. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead is what he says. Uh, ending in verse 11 of chapter 3. So this morning as he kind of goes on, he's going to kind of uh, encourage us, if you will, right? The importance of a spiritual life that is developing, and I titled this plan to win, and it's not necessarily that Paul is giving us a plan and how to which to do that, but I'm, I'm simply pushing and, and encouraging, maybe pushing more than encouraging, I'm not sure yet, but uh, to you to move forward on your, on your spiritual walk, right, your development with the Lord. We give a lot of thought and time to uh, career, and, and we make plans for careers, and we make plans for our education, uh, we make plans for family when we get married, and we... Hopefully you work those things through. Usually we talk about those things. Uh, but sometimes in our, in our walk, we don't always set aside and create a plan in which we say, here's how I'm going to develop as a Christian. Now, I believe uh, eternally, giving things to, to uh, time and attention to our eternal life is very important. It doesn't become just a, a, an end-all, right, where we say, well, as long as I'm secure and I've got this wrapped up, you know, I'm good. It's not that. But we do want to give attention to our eternal life. There will be a time where we spend eternity somewhere. Hopefully it's with the Lord. So I want to encourage you this morning that we give thought, careful thought. Maybe you have already, maybe you haven't. But careful thought to the development of your spiritual life. There was a story of a, of a British sculptor, Sir Jacob Epstein, who once was visited in his studio by the eminent author and fellow Briton, George Bernard Shaw. The visitor noticed a huge block of stone standing in one corner, and he asked what that was for. I don't know yet. I'm still making plans. Shaw was astounded. You mean you plan your work? Why, I change my mind several times a day. To which the sculptor replied, Well, that's very well with a four-ounce manuscript but a lot different when it comes to a four-ton block, right? Sometimes in our spiritual journey, in our walk, we don't give attention to it, but it matters. It becomes very important. And we may think and say and think that it's important, but where is the application? And Paul is going to hit on these elements of hear how you can apply to your life and move forward on your journey. So let's read this passage this morning, Philippians 3, 12 through 16. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let me offer a brief prayer. Lord, as we come to your word now and ask that um, you would open our eyes and our ears to your truth, I pray that you would allow me to get out of the way and that our attention would be fully placed upon you. I ask that you'd speak to us now for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we've come to this scene, as I mentioned earlier, Paul has unfolded for us in, in the passage previous to this, he's talked about these wonderful doctrines. Right? We stand and have hope and are justified by a righteousness that has come to us from God, outside of ourselves, the objective work of the cross. Right? It first begins outside. This is why we can have confidence in it. And then Paul moves from there into this onward, present tense kind of moment where we work on our sanctification, where we live this out. Right? We dwell every day. I'm working on this. I'm in process. And then he also looks to the future, right? The past, present, and future to his glorification. And he comes to this passage. He says, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move forward. And my first point this morning in, in, in helping us to move forward, and it might seem very simple to you, but I think it's the foundation which to build on is to understand the purpose. Verse 12, he says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but there's our contrast. What is Paul doing? I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So when Christ saved Paul, what Paul is telling us this morning is that that was not, or excuse me, an ending point. It was a beginning point. This is where salvation starts. It begins here. It doesn't end there. He had been saved, right, to live for Christ to serve Christ, and as long as he was on this earth, Paul was going to live for him and help others on their journey. So right out of this, understanding our purpose, we have to realize that we have not arrived. That's kind of my point, sub-point there, rather. We have not arrived. Paul's description is that you would press on. There's an assumption and a pre presupposition that you are not perfect yet. That might be a shock to some of us. Right? Some of you are going, what? We're not perfect yet. Right? <clears throat> Paul says in, in Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses, he who began, right, the good work, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so until God calls us home or comes and gets us, he's at work. So if you're breathing this morning, <clears throat> he's at work in you. You're not there yet. Right? And Paul is saying this, I have not arrived. Guys, I haven't arrived. I haven't attained. Still very much I want to grow in this Christian life. The perfection that I desire is not here. It is in the future. And I press forward with it. Paul, just like you and I this morning, had to deal with things of the flesh. He's dealing with them. We realize the flesh, what? It naturally pulls us to sin. And Paul is in the same struggle. It speaks of that in Romans. So he had to deal with a sinful body. He was all too aware, I think, probably more so than maybe us or maybe the same, that, that the closer we get or the need for growth is apparent. 
right? I haven't arrived. I have to be on this purpose or on this, this goal of pressing forward. And Paul's going to use a wonderful metaphor for us. But it's important, and this kind of goes without saying, that, that there, there is a reason to this. There is a foundation, right? We haven't arrived in these things, that there is a purpose in development. My second sub-point there is, what does Paul say in the contrast? You know, you haven't arrived, you haven't attained, you're not perfected. That's in the future. We are called to press on. We're called to press on. And this is an active commitment to the call of Christ. It's not passive. It's not something secondary. It's not something when I get to it. Paul believes that this is an active component. This is something you are actively pursuing. It applies to every element and, and moment of your life. The situations of life that you would not just put Christ on the side and say, well, let me go to work now and I'll pick up this Christianity thing later. Paul believed that you should be applying that. To be being a Christian is not what you do. It's who you are. The purpose of pressing on to not attain Enough knowledge, right? The personal knowledge that he desired. He thought he hasn't become all that Christ wants him to be. Think on that for a moment. Think of Paul's life. Think of the things he's gone through. And here he's saying, I haven't become everything he wants me to be. That's a humbling thought. But he presses on. He realized, Paul realized that everything, he says in this verse, just as Christ laid hold of him and he's going to lay hold of Christ, he realizes that every part of the salvation experience, right, that it's justification, his onward growth and sanctification, his looking forward to glorification is God. God is at work. That's a great encouragement to us. That as we pursue this and that we're pressing on, we realize that God is doing something. Now, he may not feel like God is doing something at times. It may feel like our prayers hit the ceiling and bounce down or... Maybe they don't even quite make it to the ceiling. We may feel that way, but despite how we feel, there is an active God who is changing, who's molding us. So for us this morning, we must not become comfortable or complacent, right? Lethargic in our, our understanding of our development. It's not something that's meant, well, if I just, it'll eventually happen, right? By osmosis or something. It doesn't take place that way. We shouldn't waste time, right, or lose opportunity, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, right? Meaning that desire that you would do these things not because of me, but because of your faith in, in God. In my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good purpose. Right? So we, can, we say in salvation here, he's speaking of sanctification, that component. Work it out. Develop this with reverence and awe of who God is because he's at work. So regardless of how we feel, regardless of this element, you are on a journey. God is, is expecting you to move forward. Paul's paradigm is, you know what, there's an assumption here, you're going to move forward. I haven't attained it. I'm not perfected yet, but I'm pressing on. Like that wonderful contrast. But I am pressing on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. God is at work. So the foundation to moving forward is to understand, excuse me, that we have a purpose. We need to understand this purpose. God desires to do something in us and ultimately at some point through us. Charles Simpson tells the story of a meeting of a young man who dives for exotic fish for aquariums. He said one of the most popular aquarium fish is the shark. He explained that if you catch a small shark and contain it, 
It will stay a size proportionate to the aquarium it's placed in. He said sharks can be six inches long and yet fully matured. He says if you return that shark to the ocean, it will grow to its normal length, some up to eight feet. He goes on and makes the point, and he says, this can also happen to some Christians. And he goes on and says, I've seen some of the cutest little six-inch Christians who swim around in a little pond. <laughs> Sometimes we do this with our spiritual journey, right? God desires to stretch you. It doesn't always feel good. But he wants to grow you. There's bigger things out there. And you have to understand your purpose in it. Just as the passage we read this morning in John 17, Jesus is communicating. He's communicated the gospel to his disciples. And he tasked them with this responsibility to, to go forward and teach it. You and I this morning are the benefactors of someone going forward and teaching it. We're very grateful for that. And so it's come to us as believers to do what? Take that message forward. To understand it. We have a purpose, right? Paul wants you to, to succeed in this purpose and to develop on our spiritual walk. And the more we get closer to Christ, the more we begin to realize it. So Paul is saying you need to understand it, understand your purpose. We're called to grow in Christ. It's important not just for us, but maybe for others. And he goes on from here after this kind of what I'm going to call like a foundational element to it. He goes on and says, here's what you need to do next. Release the past. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I believe this verse is an enormous help to every believer, especially if you're here this morning and there's times in your past where you felt maybe I have failed. I've blown it. I've made bad decisions. Maybe I've failed God and, and, and maybe it's just a way I don't even want to talk about. The correlation here is that Paul has also failed God. And he was always confessing how far short he had come. Ephesians 3.8, this is Paul speaking. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul is assessing most likely his previous life, right? We could say, well, Paul, you didn't know Christ then. But he was actively opposing Christianity. Right? Putting to death those associated with the way. Maybe some of those things are running through his mind. Maybe he's, he's referencing back to his, his, um, his resume here and saying, look at all the things that I was doing. I was, had the right birth. I had the right family. I had the right heritage. I had all the right stuff. Maybe he's thinking through that and saying, guys, you've got to forget that. All those things belong. He uses the word refuse. Right? Forget it. The only thing that belongs in the game column is Christ. So if you're here this morning, this is a great encouragement. Paul is saying, look, those things don't define you. They don't own you. Christ owns you. So we're left with this question, well, Paul, how do I do that? And he says, quite simply, look ahead. You've got to look forward. Right? He describes this focus. Paul has this intent. This is where this idea of a runner comes onto the scene where he's running this race and there's a finish line in front of him. 
He describes that focus and he employs the image of this runner, right? In this race, he's going to win this prize. So Paul cannot look back. Paul cannot have his mind clouded with past memories, failures. He strains every muscle in his body to achieve the forward motion. His eyes are focused on the finish line. This is how you move past your failures. You fix your eyes upon Christ. Paul is forgetting the guilt of persecuting the church. He's forgetting the pain of prison and physical punishment. He's forgetting the frustration of disobedient church members and false teachers and all the things that he's experienced in life. And he's saying, you know what, forget it. You've got to move ahead. Look ahead to the resurrection. Look ahead to the time where we're going to meet Jesus face to face. All this comes together. For Paul, the, the, the good old days, if you will, right? The things previous to this. They would paralyze him if he was to dwell upon them. They would keep them from doing what God had called them to do in the future. <clears throat> so the point is, once again, the failures do not define you. Now, we might have a new normal because of decisions, new things that we have to face, but they don't own you. Christ owns you. If you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, he owns you. You are not your own, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You've been bought at a price. He's paid a high price for you. He loves you that much. He loves you enough not to leave you where you're at. <clears throat> Paul says, guys, I haven't attained it. You've got to look forward. You've got to keep moving forward. You're not defined by your failures. Now, Paul doesn't add this, to, but I'm going to add this this morning. I'm not adding to Scripture, but I believe another element that will help us move forward is to move past your successes. I think these can become a hindrance as well. Paul is straining towards what is ahead. Sometimes we kind of camp out. Right? I was good once, so I'm okay now. Right? And some of those are, are not bad. We can look upon our past and say, here's a testimony of what God has done. That's good. Let's not stop there because there's future testimonies. And that's the idea. We want to move forward. In order to reach forward to this heavenward call in Christ Jesus, you ultimately have to let go. You have to let go of failures. You have to let go of successes and desire that God has something new in front of you. Now, the purpose of looking behind is, is what? To see how far God has brought us. He doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to keep developing. Many, year, many years ago, there was a promising Greek artist named Theonethes. I said it right. was under the instruction of a well-known tutor. And after several years, the young painter created an exquisite portrait he was so thrilled with what he had painted, he had sat day after day gazing at his work, most likely patting himself on the back. Look at this. Then one morning, however, he was horrified to discover that his teacher had deliberately ruined the painting. Angry and in tears, he approached his, his tutor and asked why he destroyed his cherished possession. And the man replied, I did it for your own good. That painting was hindering your progress. It was an excellent piece of art, but it was not perfect. Start again and see if you can do even better. After the student collected himself and in many years of trying and laboring, he produced a masterpiece called The Sacrifice of Inf Infagina, 
which is regarded by some as one of the finest paintings of antiquity. And the point is that God never desires for us to be content with our successes. There's something greater on the horizon. There's something more, a new testimony. So Paul is saying, look, you have to understand your purpose. That you're on a journey. You haven't arrived. You're not that good, right? You might say, maybe not in that way. You have to release your past. Whether the goods and bads, let those things go. Why? Because you're a runner and your eyes are fixed upon the prize and you're going to press forward. So the next important thing that Paul says, if you're in this race, what do you need to do? Well, you need to establish the goal. Right? You've got to establish this goal. And he says it point blank. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here it is. If you're going to succeed, you've got to have your eyes fixed on something. Because where your eyes go, typically the rest of your body will follow. I had a friend in Bible college. He used to uh, drive with him. And, and we were at Bible college in Scotts Valley and and uh, over by San Jose, and we drive to San Jose. I don't know if you've driven over Highway 17. It's quite windy. And he was a young student, and he had this, this habit of driving the car, right? And he would always look in the rearview mirror. And, it, and sometimes I think he was picking zets, to tell you honestly. He would look in the rearview mirror, and he was kind of like doing this. And while we're driving, he would fix the car. And, and I'm in the, in, the, in the passenger seat, and there was, it made me a praying man <laughs> quite a bit. And I would tell him, oh, man, we... We can't do this. You've got you to keep your eyes. Where his eyes went, the car followed, right? It's true to life. Where you set your focus, those things play themselves out. This is why the mind is so important. Paul speaks to that in this passage, right? But you have to set your goal. You have to put Christ at the first of it, right? That the goal of it. This is why we're going to go. And you have to set your focus upon him. Ultimately, Paul wants to hear, right? At the end of all this, God called his name, summoned him to the victory stand. Going back with our metaphor of a race. Paul desires to see Jesus face to face and know him perfectly. Paul's desire is, is brought forth, right? Establish this goal. Guys, earthly prizes do not last. Eternal ones do. And that goal cannot be realized here on earth. Something that pulls us heavenward. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we, right, speaking of believers, for an imperishable crown, we labor hard to find a crown to lay down at the master's feet. In order to do that, we have to run this race. In the late 1950s, Jim Elliott, his former husband of author Elizabeth Elliott, gave his life to reach a hostile tribe in the jungle of Ecuador. He has this quote, many of you probably already know it, said, it is not a fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The idea of pursuit, the idea of goals, the idea of, of, of casting off things that we don't need. Paul is saying, look, in order to do that, you have to have your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You have to pursue this goal. He says in, in the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. There it is. Our past, our failures, our successes, lay them aside if they're weighing you down. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Where are we fixing our eyes? On Jesus, who for the joy 
and was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul is saying to press forward, to keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take discipline. It takes discipline to keep Jesus in the middle of your sight. You have a busy life. Monday morning's coming. How are you going to keep Jesus in the middle of your sight, your goal? Fix your eyes upon him every day and remember why you're here. Discipline just doesn't happen. You have to work at it. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is famous for this quote. He said, the great need of the Christian life is self-discipline. This is not something that happens to you in a meeting. You've got to go do it. Quite simple. You're right. You've got to go do it in order to keep Jesus fixed. Everything that you do and the things that you interact with, right? You're thinking of your week already and the things that I have to do. How do I keep Jesus the center of my focus? It also takes determination. These are the two words I put under there. Just wanted you to write them in. It takes dedication, discipline, excuse me, and determination. Nothing will stop you. The bad days, the days when we say this is a failure. This is the day I wish I didn't get out of bed. I wish I didn't do this. Those days cannot stop you keeping your focus upon Christ. We have to trust Christ even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Lord, what are you doing? What is going on here? What is your plan here? Help me to trust you. I'm determined to trust you. I know you have. I trust that you're at work, just as your word says. It takes both. And we have to have our eyes squarely fixed upon Christ and him alone. Just effort in this doesn't make it if our eyes aren't fixed upon him. Matt Emmons, who was a gold, in search of the gold medal, he had it in sight. He was one shot away from claiming victory in a 2004 Olympic 50-meter three-position rifle event. He didn't even need a bullseye to win. His final shot merely needed to be close to the center of the target. Normally the shot he would have, would have made would have received a score of 8.1, more than enough for a gold medal. But in what he described as an extremely rare mistake in elite competition, Emmons fired the wrong target. Standing in lane two, he fired at the target in lane three. His score for the good shot in the wrong lane, zero. So instead of a medal, Emmons ended up in eighth place. It doesn't matter how accurate, right? How many efforts things we do, unless our goal is fixed correctly. We keep Christ at the center. This is what Paul is saying. It is Jesus. It is him alone. All my past, all these things, you're trying to earn, it's not. It is Christ. He has secured something for me that no one can. He is everything. So Paul says, here's your purpose. Brothers and sisters, here's your purpose. Get on this journey, right? Release your past. Don't let those things hold you down. The weights that so easily and the sins that so easily entangle us, cast them aside, repent of them. Keep moving forward, right? Release the past and establish the goal. Have your eyes fixed upon Christ. Then he concludes in this, this passage of Scripture by saying, you continue the progress. Verses 15 and 16, he says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. 
Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Paul believed that all the mature Christians would agree, would come together and say, yes, this is it. We should follow this. We should have this mind. Those who are mature, we should have this mind. We should think on these things. The mind is so very much important. Directs the ship. How you think, how we act, how we react. Paul believed it was important that the mature ones would have this mind. They would come together. And in his appeal, what he is saying is, I desire that all those who are mature would grow in unity. Collectively, you would come together in this progress and you would grow in unity. Some of the people in Philippi, most likely, and Paul is dealing with, are thinking that maybe they're, they're going to arrive at perfection before Jesus comes. And he's saying, look, you haven't arrived. Guys, you, ha- you don't make it. And if there's anything that, that steps out of line, if there's any variance which you have, God will reveal this to you. He'll bring it back. And those who are, are mature would say, you know what? You're right. We're going to continue on this progress. We're going to continue to move forward. And if there's anything that gets out of line, God will reveal this to me because I've been studying his word. And I'm going to make room for growth. God's got to work in me. I'm not an accident. So we're going to grow in unity. Then we want to maintain the pursuit. Paul says, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let us do this together. Paul maintained the growth he had, which is interesting because at first he's telling us, hey, forget the past. Don't hold on to those things. But then he says, the growth you have built that is built upon Christ, the proper understanding, grow in this. Grow in these things, the things you know of Christ, of justification, of sanctification, of your glory. Understand them. Grow upon that. So we need to have and maintain the growth that we do have that is built upon Christ and him alone. We need to cast aside things that that keep us from having the same rule and walking by this. As followers of Christ, we're responsible to live out and put into practice what we have learned. We are not perfect. Regardless of what someone might tell you, we are not perfect. But that is not an excuse to run this race and to seek the prize. God is calling us to the victory stand. We desire to hear his voice. We have to realize that every victory over self and sin is a stepping stone to further triumphs. The struggle of today will be the victory of tomorrow. And some of the lessons we learn right, can help others. There was a story of, that Howard, Dr. Howard Hendricks would share about this element of, de- of developing, about having a plan, about not being content with where you're at, but to continue to grow spiritually in your understanding. And he shared the story of, a, of an elderly lady, a Christian woman who who knew him and would come to a social gathering where everyone was chit-chatting about nothing significant, and she would say, tell me, Howie. She probably had the right to call him that. But Tell me, Howie, what are the best five books you've read this year? Even though she was up in her years, she was still actively growing in the Lord. He goes on to share the story that when she died in her 90s, 
her daughter discovered on her desk that the night before she died in her sleep, she had written out her personal goals for the next five years. He goes on to say, like Paul in prison, right up to the end, she wanted to be growing. Paul's not content with where he's at when he's writing this. He's pressing on. There's a, there was a mountain climber whose epitaph was, he died climbing. I think that should be true of every Christian. Climbing, going, pressing forward. God's desire for us this morning, I believe wholeheartedly, is that you would develop. That you would take seriously the things of God's truth, of his word. That you'd realize that you're not insignificant. The failures do not define you. Christ has purchased you. And it's not so that we can pick up our cross as followers of Jesus and stand still. God wants us to follow. There's areas in our lives that he's telling us, hey, there's times, it's time to let that down. It's time to let that go. It's time to repent of this. It's time to make some changes. And it's difficult. Those things are not easy. But when we hear our Savior say it, and we look into the cross, and we see the price at which he paid, say, yes, Lord, shape me, mold me, change me. Let us pray together.